You're listening to. Podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yu. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here for our March 2023 mid-month check-in where we go over the latest Asian American book and publishing news. Uh Rira, how have you been? Um, I mean, the Oscars happened this past weekend, and it I feel did. great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we um we did good during the Oscars. We the collective we, the Asian American, Asian diaspora community, um celebrated, I guess, the first best picture went for like an a specifically Asian American story um about intergenerational immigrant child of immigrant trauma. Um that's pretty cool. I mean, isn't Minari also like did Asian that win American? Best picture? No, it didn't, but it was nominated for like well, an no, Oscar. But I'm saying this is our first win for that category, ah, for the story, uh, okay. right? Yes, yes. Um, I didn't know that I was going to like cry like every so often because yeah. so many speeches were happening on the Oscar stage. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, why are they so good with their speeches? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely had a lot of time to prepare with their prolific run through awards season and i'm already bracing myself for the inevitable um think pieces of are the oscars too asian now i mean there's already like enough backlash already saying that the movie is overrated or like you know (laughs) it's it's like oh it's weird and it's too there's too many asians in it or the people or the reason why it's getting so much hype is because all the asians are hyping it and i'm like okay well um (laughs) <laughs> you do you who cares i mean we're all it's only like one best picture film out of like the what 92 years of oscars it's still just a drop in the bucket and i guess it's not often a genre picture wins best picture um i know one of the articles that i read from the la times um was a piece by justin chang saying that even though um, the film did a lot of things at its core. It's still a Oscar Beatty family drama that doesn't really do much to shake up the formula. But to that, I respond, so what? I mean, it's about time that this specific flavor of family drama um, won recognition, right? Well, like, I, I feel like it explored a lot of um, things that you don't see about, like, intergenerational trauma, you know? Like, it was a very queer film as well on top of it being asian american and i think like that's a very clear distinction to have like a relationship with an asian immigrant parent and you being like a queer daughter like that's that's a lot and um i just loved how like in the speeches i uh in the speeches like kihu kwan talked about how like he like was one of the boat people and you know to see him come this far it like I know a lot of my Vietnamese American friends were like crying that night. Um, and Michelle Yeoh saying, oh, this is for like the boys and girls who look like me. And I just like teared up because um, as someone who went to film school, like I was one of the very few like Asian kids in my department. And to give context, the only Asian director that I knew was Ang Lee. 
<laughs> and he had won um, Best Director back in like 2006, I think. So that's this is like before I went to college. That and was then for he won, Brokeback, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he won uh, for the second time after I graduated. And he was the only Asian director to have won in that category or even to be nominated. So like... Not even with writing, okay? Writing is a department that I uh, was studying in. So not a lot of role models unless you, like, look into Asia, okay? So to see, like, this influx of Asian-American stories on screen, it's really wild to me. Yeah. Well, once again, congratulations to the cast and crew of Everything Ever All at Once uh, for their very successful awards run this season. Um, But moving on from the land of film to the land of books uh, where we live, as always, every month we go over the latest Asian American book and publishing news. And this month, in addition to the new book deals, we'll also be catching up on all the HarperCollins book deals that we missed over the last few months due to the publisher strike over there. So that means we have an extra large publishing news segment for y'all. As always, thanks to Reba for putting this list together. Uh, So, yeah, let's get started. Uh, Reba, what is our first book deal? Our first book deal is for six figures, Spiegel and Grow bought North American rights to Julie Min's debut novel, Shanghai Landers, at auction. The book is described as a kaleidoscopic work that follows a wealthy family in Shanghai moving back and forth in time between 2014 and 2040. It shifts perspectives to show how secrets both separate and unite a family irrevocably affecting the lives they touch. Publication is set for spring 2024. This sounds really interesting. It reminds me again of like those um, sweeping generational family dramas. Um, Although 2014-2040 makes this more of a speculative type of fiction, right? I wonder what our lives would be like in 2040. (laughs) It seems it sounds far away, but it's not. Yeah, it's definitely closer than you think. Um, and the fact that it follows a wealthy family in Shanghai is really interesting because Shanghai Shanghai is a very metropolitan, globalized city where like a lot of the wealth in China is concentrated. And so there's really a lot you can do with exploring those themes. Our next deal, in a mid-six-figure deal, Fable and Friends have acquired North American rights to Four Eats and the Funeral by Farida Abike Ayamede and Adiba Jagradar. In this Enemies to Lovers rom-com, two Muslim teenagers must confront the events of past Eids that made and broke their relationship, and in the process get a second chance at love. Publication is planned for spring 2024. Love more books about Eid. I feel like I've been seeing more books about Eid come out in the last like two, three years, which is great because as someone who grew up in a town where there weren't a lot of uh, Muslims, like I learned about it like after I moved to (laughs) California. So I'm really glad that there's more uh, out there. And of course, it being an enemies to lovers rom-com spices it up. Yeah, rom-coms taking place in the holidays is a well-loved trope. And I love that it's also play on like... Four Weddings and the Funeral. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's a clever title. That's always fun, yeah. All right, next up, Graydon House acquired North American rights to two books from Sophie Wan, including her debut novel, Woman of Good Fortune. 
Described as written in the vein of counterfeit and crazy rich Asians, Women of Fortune is set against a high society Shanghai wedding and follows a reluctant bride and her two best friends. Each armed with their own personal motives and fed up with the way society treats women, the three women launch a heist to steal all the gift money on the big day. As the plot moves forward, the women reach a crossroads that may require the ultimate sacrifice, their friendship. Publication is scheduled for 2024. This sounds like a lot of fun. It's a high story taking place in a uh, fancy Chinese wedding. And you know, these fancy Chinese weddings, those red envelopes. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that's just etiquette. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It kind of reminds me of Hustlers. Because it was also a heist with a bunch of women who are uh, stealing money from uh, wealthy uh, strip club patrons. But this time it's it's a wedding and it's high society. So it's like rich people who are <laughs> yeah. not going to miss their not going to miss their money. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like as we get to the climax, we also get the classic heist plot point of once you get a hold of all this money, like who gets to walk away with it, right? OK, but like one of the three women is the reluctant bride. So technically, it's not stealing because <laughs> all of the money is for her wedding. Well, I mean... I guess she's stealing from her husband. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's implied that she's running away from the wedding. So yeah, it's it's. I'm assuming she's stealing from her husband and her husband's family and everyone else who's coming to the wedding and running away with yeah, her true. friends. But I am all for the eat the rich types of storylines. And this sounds really fun. Yeah. All right. Next up, Flatiron has bought Love Me Tomorrow, a new two-book series by Tokyo After After author Emiko Jean, pitched as to all the boys I've loved before, with a How I Met Your Mother speculative twist. It follows a 17-year-old girl who doesn't believe in love until she starts receiving letters from the love of her life, writing to her from years in the future. Publication is tentatively slated for winter 2025. This reminds me of The Lake House, which was adapted from the Korean film Siwore, and that starred uh, Lee Chung-jae and Chun Ji-yeon, who are, like, fucking superstars. Um, <laughs> because it also have It's a romance that takes place uh, where, like, the two main characters are living two years apart in time. And they're able to, like, communicate through, like, a time capsule mailbox. So it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, kind of reminds me of... The manga series Orange, where uh, the character gets letters from her future self. So, like, letters coming from the future, like, time-traveling letters is not anything new. But <laughs> this sounds really interesting. Yeah. Because it's a love letter. And it's being sent to, like, a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about the How I Met Your Mother twist. Like, I wonder if it's because the future suitor can't tell her who they are because uh, it might affect them actually meeting in real life. I mean, I wonder if there is some sort of, like, bootstrap paradox type of um, time travel shenanigans going on here. That sounds really interesting. Excited to learn more. All right. Well, uh, congratulations again to Emiko Jean. We've had Emiko on our show twice, and... Um, she I really like her books, so check those um, check those interviews out. All right, next up, Holiday House acquired world rights to The Gift of Eid by book blogger Shifa Saltagi. Uh, hold on, I have to move this over. Okay, uh, Shifa Saltagi Safadi, 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 Safadi. All right. Holiday House acquired world rights to The Gift of Eid by book blogger Shifa Saltagi Safadi. And 
will be illustrated by Aliyah Jalil. In the Syrian twist on O. Henry's The Gift of the Magi, uh, set in Al-Hamidiyeh Souk and in the Umayyad Mosque of Damascus, Yasmin wants to buy her mother a beautiful mosaic box for her bracelet, but must give up something precious to raise the money. Publication is set for winter 2025. You know, I don't think I'm, I've ever read or heard about The Gift of the Magi other than seeing it in like memes online. So all I know is it involves someone selling their hair. Yeah, yeah. So it's about like a poor couple who want to buy secret Christmas gifts to each other. The woman has beautiful long hair and the husband has uh, this gorgeous pocket watch. So uh, the wife sells her hair uh, to buy a chain for the pocket watch and uh, the husband sells the pocket watch to get like a beautiful hair comb, hair hair accessory for his wife. So um, that sounds it's it's a very bittersweet story. I mean, it's sad, but also it just it's a story about like how much they're willing to sacrifice for their loved one to give something special. So um, it is like one of my favorite short stories that I've read in uh, like middle school, I think. Uh, so it's nice that we're getting like a, a Syrian twist on the story. Yeah, I hope it doesn't involve that sort of like fearic victory as in the original story. I hope it's a little bit more uh, more sweet in this one. Yeah. And like I said, love the fact that we're getting more books on Eid. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next deal, Inkyard Press acquired Tashe Buyan's Stay With My Heart, a YA contemporary novel about a girl who dreams of working in the music industry but when she accidentally sabotages an up-and-coming local band, she falls for the enigmatic leader while secretly trying to make up for her mistake. Publication is planned for winter 2024. Ooh, that's that's rough. <laughs> I can't tell if this is a a rom-com or not. This could be like this could have like two very different vibes, uh, depending on whether or not like what type of character this enigmatic leader is. I'm just curious, what does she do to sabotage? <laughs> Oh. An up-and-coming local band. I mean, there's a there, lot of possibilities. There are but... <laughs> many ways to sabotage or to, not even sabotage, but like mess up someone's set. Um, either through scheduling or not scheduling or even like technically like not ordering the right equipment or giving the wrong instructions to contractors. As someone who used to work with many, many I was about to bands, say there are several ways. I was, I was about <laughs> to say, like, are these nightmares that you've had? As a former collaboration, these are fires <laughs> that I may or may not have to have had to put out constantly in my like six year career producing live music events. But congratulations to Tashi. This sounds really funny, and uh, I am really curious. You've piqued my interest. <laughs> Next up, Viz Originals bought the debut YA manga series Champion of the Rose from Filipino duo Kat Aquino and Dominique Duran. In the first volume of this anti-imperialist fantasy series, a tournament is fought for Princess Rosa's hand in marriage, and she strikes a deal with Swordsman Ray. Help her win her own hand, and he'll earn his freedom to return home. Publication of the first volume is slated for fall 2024. I'm curious because of, like, I'm not entirely clear what the classification is, but what makes this a manga series as opposed to like a graphic novel or comic book series 
Is it just is it the way that's that it's a, drawn, that's a very... or is it because of the way it's read? Like, is it read like a manga from right to left? Like, there's these are the questions I have. But also, this sounds really interesting and cool. Yeah, I was about to say like. It is a question of what is the difference between a graphic novel and a manga. Obviously, they have different styles. Uh, mangas usually are black and white, and um, the paneling is completely different. Um, yeah, but yeah, like it's it's interesting because it's an English language manga, and we don't really see that because mangas are usually Japanese and then they're translated. Yeah. Also, manga is just the Japanese word for comic. So yeah, it's true, like true. if, say, we get a book by a Spanish author and we call it a libro. Does that make it not a book? But I, I guess we're just being over extra in our semantics right now. But uh, it's it's but, cool. But it's but the but the publisher is Viz Originals. Yeah. So Viz Media, it's it mainly dabbles in Japanese comics. So that is why I'm like, <laughs> huh? Like, what is what is the f- style going to be? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think about it, manga and comics invoke different vibes and have different styles. So I'm guessing that's where the delineation is um, here. But um, yeah, the project sounds really cool. Um, always love to see more diverse stories. And, um, you know, manga doesn't have to be written by Japanese people to be manga. All right, next up, Clarion Books bought Kindling by National Book Award winner Tracy Chi. A YA reimagining of Seven Samurai. The book is set against a war-ravaged fantasy world where kindling warfare, um, the use of elite magic-wielding teenage soldiers, has been outlawed. Seven kindlings search for purpose and identity as they prepare for one final battle. Publication is slated for winter 2024. Yo, Seven Samurai. This sounds badass. (laughs) Speaking of like super anime slash manga style stories, this screams like anime manga to me. Like child soldiers um searching for purpose and dreams also seven samurai the basis of a lot of really cool stories yeah i yeah like you said it does very much (laughs) remind me of anime tropes and maybe that's why i'm very excited (laughs) yeah all right next up harper alley acquired at auction north american rights to copycat by elise martin and sean rubin Set during the golden age of manuscript illumination in medieval Britain, this middle-grade graphic novel follows a 12-year-old orphan who avoids getting caught stealing a box of jewels by disguising herself as a monk in training at the local abbey. There she learns how to be a scribe that there she learns how to be a scribe and discovers that art and community may be worth more than gold. Publication is scheduled for fall 2024. This sounds super interesting. I recently learned about the art and industry of illumination in medieval Europe through playing a game on my Xbox called Pentiment, which is like a adventure murder mystery game set in like the late Middle Ages. So I'm very excited. Oh, to see. yeah. I've heard about that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm very excited to see that knowledge be applied now in our book news by saying, I know what illumination is. Meanwhile, I learned about illumination from my uh, Byzantine art history classes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but this sounds really cool. I think because this is a graphic novel, I'm sure like the art in the manuscript illumination style is going to be really gorgeous. Um, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Our next deal, Lerner Millbrook acquired world rights to Kaho Olawe by Kamalani Hurley and illustrated by Haranani Orme. 
This nonfiction picture book chronicles the history of the island of Kaho'olawe from the arrival of the first Polynesian voyagers to the island's seizure by the U.S. military during World War II to present-day restoration efforts by Native Hawaiians. Publication is set for fall 2024. Yay, more books by Pacific Islanders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yay, more picture books for kids to teach them about the history of the um, Hawaiian Islands and America's, I guess, imperialist history there. Um, this book surely will not be banned in the South anytime soon. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> All right, next up, Zando Young Readers and Jillian Flynn Books won at auction debut author Wen Yi Lee's The Dark We Know. Pitched as Stephen King's It meets Rory Powers' Wilder Girls, the book is the first YA title from the Jillian Flynn Books imprint. Forced to return home for her abusive father's funeral, a bisexual Chinese-American art student must team up with her last surviving childhood friend to destroy the evil that has been lurking in her town and refuses to let her escape twice. Publication is set for spring 2024. This sounds pretty, uh, it sounds cool, but also it traumatized me, like the original TV miniseries traumatized me as a child, so I don't know how I feel about Oh, you mean it? Yeah. Yeah. But this does sound really interesting. Um, The exploring the dark side of, you know, children of immigrant upbringings um, and using that as like a horror allegory um, sounds really cool to me. Yeah. And uh, Jillian Flynn is the author of Gone Girl and Sharp Objects. So her imprint is, you know, all about the creepy thriller, uh, you know, chill down your spine type of books so i i am excited to read this i i am also kind of a coward so (laughs) i would have to like swallow my fear um as as long as it's not a clown i think i'll be okay yeah or a doll yeah i mean i wonder like i'm imagining something like um there's nothing more scary than not only like being abused as a child but it being normalized within your community right and that's something that i think is very present, especially in Asian enclaves. Um, so, yeah, it sounds, sounds terrifying, but also really interesting as well. The dark we know. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, next up, Living Querido Bot, And Then Comes July by Sarah Jung, a contemporary YA graphic novel that explores two sisters' relationships as they are escaping an unsafe home environment and their respective immigrant identities. Uh, publication is slated for spring 2025. I feel like this book is like of a theme from the last one, right? Like just reading yeah, that yeah. description, I can get a sense of what the underlying themes are. Yeah, it's nice that we are getting more um, young adult books that explores themes like escaping abusive homes and dealing with uh abusive parents like i feel like it's a type of story that we've kind of seen in the fringes but like to have it like front and center it's really nice to see that representation all right next up harper collins acquired in a preempt world rights to ninja mata's author illustrator debut picture book new Based on Mata's own experience, the book follows a Filipina girl on her first days of school in America as she navigates her particular encounter with newness through a universal lens. Publication is planned for summer 2025. 
Yeah. First day of going to a new school. That's rough. It's rough for any kid. Yeah. It's rougher for for a kid who is moving across the ocean. Yeah, we can never have enough books to explore this because um, it is, you know, we are still a country of immigrants and there's still new immigrants coming all the time. So having books like this will always be important um, for kids growing up, especially in, in, in our country. Yeah, being the new kid sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never actually had to deal with that. I've had to move quite a number of times, even when I did live in the same state. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, going through that phase is, is rough, especially when you're like an extreme introvert like me. (laughs) So it's very hard to make friends. Um, and I don't really remember all that much, like, like moving from Korea to America and attending like school with a bunch of like non-Koreans for the first time. But I do remember like my parents, like not understanding some of the school culture and be like why why are they doing it like this like why it's like why do you have like a day off here like why is pe uh formatted this way so it's just as confusing for immigrant parents as it is for the immigrant kid who is new to school so yeah yeah all right next up harper teen bought world rights to better catch up krishna kumar by anahita kartik uh, the debut YA rom-com follows Krishna on a road trip across India to find her summertime crush after discovering he's left her the flirty text she's been dreaming of the night before she's set to return to America. Publication is scheduled for 2025. Yeah, this really reminds me of like those early 2000s teen movies. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Road Trip, uh, which is a film about a road trip where um, a group of college kids have to drive across the country to intercept a accidental sex tape that um, the main character mailed to his girlfriend. I'm sure the film has not aged well, but um, the story sounds like a a kind of a more wholesome um, version of that. Yeah, this actually reminds me of a different road trip film. It's actually apocalyptic. It's called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. It (laughs) starred Steve Carell and Keira Knightley. So it kind of reminds me of that, an epic road trip uh, for love. And... I'm just thinking road trip across India. That sounds very difficult. (laughs) Cause like here in America, like the freeway system is, I mean, as much as I hate driving, like it is very easy to do a road trip across America. I don't know the geography and infrastructure of India that well, but uh, it does sound like India is huge too. So yeah, India big. I wonder. I think once you get out of the metropolitan areas, I'm sure it's just open road, right? That's true, yeah. Um, But yeah, again, I've never been to India as well. So, um, you know, we can explore together with this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, road trip. The road trip genre is great. Yeah. All right, next up, Zando Young Readers and Sweet July Books won at auction Roselle Lim's YA debut, Celestial Banquet. Pitched as Iron Chef meets Lore, Uh, The book is set in a Chinese folklore-inspired world in which minor deities walk among us and follows a hot-headed noodle chef who competes to create a feast for the gods while battling monsters, cutthroat gourmands, and her own heart. Publication is slated for January 2025. You had me at Iron Chef meets 
Chinese folklore. Um, this reminds <laughs> me of, have you ever seen the Stephen Chow film, God of, I think it's God of Cookery or God of Cooking. I don't know what the English name for it is, but the, the Chinese name is pretty much God of Cooking. I've never heard of it, oh, but it's great. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. Um, Roselle Lim is the author of Natalie Tan's book of luck and fortune. Uh, so she is very familiar with writing books where it's centered around food <laughs> and magic. So yeah. um, this is very much her brand. And I like I feel like it's very charming. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Obviously, a lot of food and food descriptions, which is always great. Uh, my favorite trope of Asian and Asian American literature. Um, always love exploring the Chinese pantheon and love cooking competition shows. Um, very excited. Top Chef's back on the air right now. So yeah, this sounds right on my alley. Really excited about um, learning more about this book in the coming years. 2025 so far away, though. <sighs> But it's January 2025, though. Yeah, there's, a, there's a whole presidential election between now and then, and it's just uh, seems so true, far away. True. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, next up, Inkyard Press has bought No Place Like Home by Lynn S. Wynn, a middle-grade portal fantasy about Lan, an 11-year-old recent immigrant to Canada from Vietnam, um, who falls into the pages of her latest read and learns she is a budding witch. Publication is planned for fall 2023. Portal is this fantasy an is that, book? Yeah, is that the <laughs> Western like equivalent of isekai? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I'm sure. Like, if you say isekai to uh, people, they probably don't know what it is. Um, so, I guess yeah, that is that is a way to translate. Yes, I'm the opposite. I'm like portal fantasy. What is that? Is that isekai? <laughs> I mean, when it said like portal fantasy, I. <laughs> I thought about the video game Portal because that's just like where my <laughs> nerdy brain went. But then like as soon as it said falls into the pages of her latest read, I'm like, ah, Isekai. Love that genre. <laughs> I feel like we just out ourselves as enjoyers of trashy manga anime. You say that, but there are some really good Isekai <laughs> stuff out there. Um, what is it? Oh, shoot. Like what am I what am I reading right now that's uh one Isekai series that I'm reading right now is The First Night with the Duke on Webtoon, and it is fantastic. <laughs> so I don't know what you're saying, Marvin. There's some good Isekai hey, stuff out there. I'm not saying trash is bad. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's a very I've, I've, I've read many of Isekai story during the especially during the pandemic when I had nothing else better to do. Um, so you know, I'm excited to um see more stories like that in the mainstream. I mean, technically, these are also classic tropes, right? Alice in Wonderland is like probably the classic Western isekai. True, true. <laughs> and I mean, I'm interested in what kind of witch uh, Lan is. Like, is this like a Vietnamese type of witch? Like, or is it like more of like a traditional Western type of witch? Yeah. Very curious. <laughs> All right. Next up, Little Brown bought I Lived Inside a Whale, a whimsical picture book debut by Shin Lee about finding your own voice and learning how to connect with others. Publication is set for winter 2024. Very Not curious much to go on. about how this child or how this person ended up inside a whale. Is this like yes, a milky uh, situation? Not, or like- not enough information to, <laughs> to come up with a conclusion. But uh, yeah, like I love the message about like finding your own voice and, you know, being a better uh, communicator. Yeah. I am curious, like Marvin said, how did this kid end up inside a whale? <laughs> uh, 
All right. Uh, next up, Paul Wiseman Books bought world rights to Sanya Ucharia's Living Bridges, a picture book set in the mountains of Meghalaya, India, where one generation teaches the next how to weave the roots of their beloved Jinkhandri, which are ancient man-made bridges made of living tree roots. The book will be illustrated by Avani Dovetti, and publication is slated for spring 2025. So these uh, Jinkhandri are pretty cool looking if you Google it. Uh, it actually reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings because I am a nerd and the wood elves have uh, yeah. wooden bridges this like this. This totally looks like something elves would make in Tolkien's Middle <laughs> Earth. Well, there is. There's like a very big portion of the story where um, during like the last alliance, the wood elves, they pass through, they pass their armies through a wooden bridge. And after the battle is done... They're so traumatized that they uh, destroy the bridge and become very isolated from the world. So, <laughs> I mean, so it reminds me a lot of that. And it's just there's something really magical about these bridges. They look beautiful. Yeah, they look really, really cool. And um, I'm sure seeing a picture book form will be really cool, too. Yeah, I'm really curious as to how they make these bridges. <laughs> like, how long does it take? Um, because you have to, like, wait for the roots to grow. Yeah. yeah, a lot of questions, um, but it sounds pretty cool. Um, all right, next up, HarperCollins bought World Rights to Do You Even Know Me by Amira's Picture Day author Reem Faruqi, in which Salma hears the word Muslim over and over again on TV, and she worries, especially when she gets picked on at school. But she learns to speak up and live up to her name, which means peace. Ani Bushri will illustrate, and publication is planned for spring 2024. Yeah, this sounds like a really great picture book to teach kids to um, not believe everything they see on TV and media. Um, you know, for the same reason why we say representation matters. Uh, we say that because what gets represented on TV becomes the basis of how someone might think of people that aren't um, that they aren't familiar with. And to be able to approach that a little bit more critically and a little bit more um, thoughtfully, I think it's really important because uh, of how media is distributed these days through, you know, TV, social media, streaming. Um. Yeah, I love the title, Do You Even Know Me? Um, and I, I just feel like it's such a powerful title because uh, a lot of people just assume, like, uh, I feel like there's a lot of assumptions towards uh Muslims because of like 9-11 obviously and there's like a lot of um you know Islamophobia that has like grown since then and uh, a lot of the conservative media they twist things so it it's just like do you do you even know me do you even know like my culture like who are you to uh you know judge me like this so I I feel like it is a very um relatable story um, and also just like how, you know, during this pandemic, we've had a lot of um, anti-Asian hate crimes that ha that have happened and uh, how that's affected kids at school. It it's really sad. And it's just nice that there is a picture book that is diving into the implications of that. And, you know, maybe bullying is bad. <laughs> maybe parents should be more sensitive and teach their kids to be more empathetic and to not judge just based on the color of someone's skin or um, their 
background, their ethnic background. So, yeah, congratulations to Reem Faruqi. Um, all right, our last book deal. In a six-figure deal, um, Delray Books preempted world English rights to Samantha Satoyambao's Water Moon. Pitched as Aaron Morgenstern meets Studio Ghibli, the book follows a woman who inherits a pawn shop in Tokyo where you can sell your regrets. Water Moon is set to be released in fall 2024 or spring 2025. Wow, this sounds super Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of like, what was that book we read about the coffee shop where you can go back in time? Um, kind of like uh, in that before v- the coffee gets cold. Yeah, kind of in that vein, like kind of a magically realistic place where you have a rotating clientele of people who just want to, in this case, sell their regrets. Which you know sounds, you know, as you get older and your regrets pile up, sounds pretty, pretty like a pretty sweet deal if I get if I can get money for everything I've regretted in my life. Yeah, and this also reminds me of um, the manga series XXXholic by Clamp because it also is like an antique shop slash pawn shop where uh, magical things are exchanged. (laughs) And uh, it's kind of like monkey's paw, like whatever you give up to the store, uh, you know, whatever you want from the store has a price. And therefore uh, there's like a bit of an equivalent exchange. So it kind of reminds me of that. Um, It also kind of reminds me of what I wrote for my college application, (laughs) uh, creative writing portfolio. Yeah, it's it's definitely a trope that I really love. So yeah. I am excited to read this. Any book that has a Studio Ghibli like description attached to it, I'm like, yep, automatically putting that in my TBR pile. <laughs> yeah, sounds like sounds like some good vibes. Um, and that'll do it for our publication news roundup. Um, next up, we have just a, a quick um, check in with book news. Um, Rira, what's a, what's our story? So Y'all West Book Festival announced their uh, schedule. Uh, The festival is going to take place on April 29th at Santa Monica High School. Um, It's great that we're having book festivals live in person again. This is one of the biggest book festivals in America. And some Asian authors that I've noticed on on their roster are Chloe Gong, Marin Gu, Melissa De La Cruz, Sarah Kuhn, Marie Liu, Tahere Mafi, Reem Shikari, and David Yoon. We've had a bunch of these authors on our show before, um, and it's great that all of them are going to be at this festival for you guys to meet if you guys are local. Yeah, um, and this is a free event, right? I think so. I think it is free. Um but I think there are panels where you do have to reserve mm. tickets. It's been a while since I've been to <laughs> Y'all West. It's been a number of years. I don't know if uh, things have changed or not. Yeah. And it's a bummer because I would have loved to have attended this year. Um, but um, I'm having my delayed wedding reception that day. And Rira is actually also coming because she's invited. So looks like y'all have to um, party without us there. But maybe next year. Maybe next year. We can go to Y'all West. Yeah, or another book festival. <laughs> I don't know. We just have to, we need to be more social, you know? <laughs> uh, we do. And we we have, we've been making plans. Like, Rira and I have been planning what the next phase of Books and Bubble will look like. And I think we'll be ready to share that relatively soon. So stay tuned for that. But with that, that'll do it for our mid-month check-in for March 2023. 
if there's any book or publication news that uh, we missed on this episode, please let us know on our Goodreads forums or on social media. And we'll definitely try to circle back um, in next month's check-in. As always, we love it when our members interact with us and engage with us. It really makes us feel like we're part of a real book club. But before we go, um, Rebra, um, can you remind us what we are reading for book club um, this month? Yes, we are reading Front Desk by Kelly Yang. And it is really interesting that we are reading this book amidst so many book ban campaigns. And yeah, I mean, um, you know, longtime listeners or followers of the Asian American publication space would know that Front Desk was and is one of the flashpoints of the book ban, um, I guess, epidemic going around the country right now. Um, it was one of the first books to be banned for like nothing reasons and i'm excited to finally get the chance to read kelly yang's um, book to see what all the hubbub's about so yeah we hope you read along with us um if you've already finished the book and have thoughts to share please let us know on goodreads um and uh, we'll do our best to share your feedback on our discussion episode as well um but with that that'll do it for this episode books and boba thank you so much for checking in with us and we'll see y'all next time bye everybody all right bye everyone Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comic creator Jean Lun Yang and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. Modern Minorities.